0: you need indeed
1: welcome back to the champagne on ice podcast presented by the field of 68 as it is almost the holidays and illinois basketball had a quiet time here in the last week or so but we got some things to hit on we got a big game coming up on friday in the bragging rights game and we'll get to all of it here on this episode mike how you doing i'm kyle toss by the way joined by mike farmer how's it going my friend
2: Doing pretty well, Kyle. Thank you. Glad to be home for the holidays.
1: I know. It's been a long semester, and now we get a nice break and uh, holiday season and and a little Illinois hoops mixed in there. Although, man, it's been quiet. We had, what, eight days off? Eight days off. Now you got two games here in the next two weeks, so kind of a slow time, but we'll make do here. Uh, I got some questions I want to hit on here in this episode as we're kind of a third of the way through the season, 10 games out of 31 regular season games. So we'll get to that. Uh, But I do want to start with the game that Illinois played since we were last on the podcast. Only one game, even though it's been 10 days now once this is released since our last episode. Uh, came out uh, and that was against the Colgate Raiders at State Farm Center a team that has been to the NCAA tournament three of the last four years they come in in kind of a sleepy finals week holiday break spot and Illinois for the most part takes care of them got off to a 14 nothing start to the game uh, and then Colgate kind of made a run late in the second half but Illinois never trailed in this one um, for the entire game when it 74 um, 57 obviously just a a mid-major game not one to take a ton from but what'd you make of this performance from Illinois against a a a solid Colgate team I mean for a mid-major coming in they're they're not one that you can sleepwalk and win and Illinois took care of business
2: yeah a a lot of people were calling it a trap game heading into the game I think we saw that a little bit in the second half obviously you get out to a big lead at the start a big lead at halftime too And then second half, it would kind of look lackadaisical. You're not really hitting shots, giving up some easy buckets. But in the end, sort of a tale of two halves. Even in the second half, they cut it to 10, I believe, with a couple minutes left. Uh, I never really thought the game was in doubt, in question. I mean, it was a 10-point lead with like three minutes left, maybe. I wasn't too concerned, to be honest. But uh, the second half wasn't great. I think the first half was awesome. Pretty much everything we wanted to see happen, happened. Like, all-around offensive effort. Uh, Terrence Shannon looked great. Uh, some other guys putting getting buckets, stringing buckets together, stringing stops together. And then the second half, you have a big lead going into the half. Maybe you get a little lazy, get tired, worn out by finals week, whatever it was in the end, get the win. I'm not too concerned. I don't think there's too much to cover on this game, but still a good win.
1: Yeah. No, I was impressed with the way they started because this was, uh, this was one. Yeah. You mentioned, some people consider it kind of a trap type spot for Illinois and against a Colgate team that, I mean, they were beating Syracuse by like 24 earlier in the season. They've been to the tournament as like a 13, 14 seed the last three years. If you showed up and got off to that sleepy, slow start where you're rusty coming off eight days off, all of a sudden you could have a really tight game. I and mean, we saw it last year against a much worse opponent. Uh, when in this similar spot, it was Alabama A&M who came into Champaign. Illinois was losing that game with like nine minutes left in that one. Um, so we know that uh, this is a spot. And and we even look earlier in the week, like Marquette barely squeaked by some terrible team early in the week. Northwestern loses to Chicago State. Like this this finals week, like really slow, not much going on week in college basketball. Like if you're not ready to play, all of a sudden you could be in danger of of taking a really bad loss. But Illinois was never in danger of that because they got off to a 14-0 start and just controlled the game from the jump, which I thought was important because one of the biggest things that has been uh, frustrating about this group the last two years, not as much this year. I think they've, they've fixed it early in the season maybe, but last year especially the slow starts and just not being ready to play. And we haven't seen that here really the last couple of weeks. But in this game was one where if you got off to a slow start, it was – you kind of saw that coming, but Illinois didn't, and they, they got off to a 14 nothing lead, uh, were up by 17 at half, led by 22 in the second half, took their foot off the gas a little bit, but Colgate never got within nine the rest of the game. So it was 14 nothing. Colgate never got within nine the rest of the time. Terrence Shannon was the catalyst in the first half, 14 points, had five blocks in this game, that one chase-down block he had. Oh, boy, that was, that was a hell of a play. Uh, and then in the second half, he didn't score, but you had Quincy Garrier step up and, and score. And Coleman Hawkins had a nice day, 16 points, leading score for the first time all year. Coleman Hawkins leads the team in scoring. That's a good sign. And uh, Marcus Damask had a slow first half, but then kind of when Ter- they were throwing two different guys at Terrence Shannon, trying to get the ball out of his hands in the second half, and Damask stepped up and uh, I believe had 11 second half points. And down the stretch, really kind of put the game away with a three and a couple of uh, post-ups. Uh, from the mid post. So overall, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I think it was just a, a situation where you had to show up ready to play and just take care of a solid team at home in a spot where you could get lulled to sleep a little bit. And Illinois did that. And that's something you couldn't really say a lot of times, especially last season. So I'll take it. Yeah,
2: for sure. I think the addition of the veterans compared to last year's freshmen, uh, it's night and day in terms of like slow starts, in terms of consistency overall. We've had a couple of lulls like in certain games, like Tennessee, you go cold for a minute. I think that's bound to happen to any team, but overall with, I mean, you've got pretty much five seniors, five fifth year seniors in the starting lineup. You've got a couple off the bench too. This team's really talented of course, but they're also very experienced. Uh, Brett Underwood, he knows what he has with this team. I think they have a goal in mind compared to, I mean, you look at last year's team and there's some guys that I think are more focused on individual stats uh, individual accolades, stuff like that, compared to this team, where I think it's it really is a team effort night in and night out. We saw that uh, on Sunday, you know, great start, get sloppy in the second half, but overall the talent, the experience, veteran leadership, in the end uh, you still get the win over a pretty solid Colgate team who I think will most likely win the Patriot League, win their conference championship, and maybe be a challenge to some uh, higher seed in March
1: yeah it feels like they've done that every time they've gotten in they've challenged i think it was arkansas a couple years ago and then wisconsin one year then they they played pretty well i don't i don't think they've won a tournament game but they've come close um but but point being is that illinois uh it was a it was a solid team that if you were asleep for the game you weren't just gonna like most of these teams in the 300s and ken palm and all the you know these the teams Illinois played western illinois valpo eastern illinois like you could sleepwalk and win by 20. and then if you sleepwalk through this one you might lose so that you so the fact that illinois showed up i mean that's that speaks to like you said yeah the the veteran leadership on this team just maturity level of of these older guys i think it is night and day and and that's why i think for the most part this year illinois has gotten off the pretty good starts it feels like Early in the season, I think we talked about it a little bit in a couple of those early bye games, but since then, like, it feels like in the first five, ten minutes of every game, Illinois has been ready to play. Like, it hasn't been a situation where they've been asleep, and and these slow starts have gotten them probably since late November. This entire month of December, it feels like they've gotten off the pretty fast starts and and shown up to play early, which was just such an issue last season. Uh, in so many games throughout the season, I mean, we saw Against Arkansas in their final game in the tournament they just didn't show up and the game was over (laughs) five minutes in so I mean yeah I I, I agree with that I think the and just the fact that I think one of my biggest takeaways from this game too is that you just have guys that can step up and and get you a bucket and help Terrence Shannon out a little bit because Terrence was great in the first half all of a sudden Colgate comes out in the second half and you could tell it was a concerted effort by them somebody else is going to beat us here and Gary A did Hawkins did, Damask did. Shannon didn't have to score, and you he still held on to the lead and won by seventeen. And I feel like at times last year, like if if Shannon or Meyer were off, you're in trouble. Uh, and and now this year, I think you got veterans who can step up and carry some of that load. Uh, and yeah, and to just to hit back on Coleman Hawkins' performance: sixteen points, six of fourteen shooting. I thought he had his best game of the season, and that was really important for that's going to be really important, especially heading into a game like Friday to get him going offensively. We had the whole discussion last podcast about, you know, how polarizing he was and how a lot of people are getting fed up about when is this guy going to show up to play on the offensive end. And I thought he did in this game, especially early on, he had a couple shots uh, from three and then you you put him in a lot of pick and rolls and he was rolling hard to the basket and just getting easy dump offs around the rim. Uh, which is something that he kind of – it's just not really been a part of his game, but it's something that he really needs to do. He needs to be more assertive and be more of an offensive option, especially in in pick-and-roll actions, not just pop all the time and and be shooting threes, but get get around the rim, especially against mid-major matchups like this. So really encouraged by Coleman's performance. What do you see from him?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just look at the box scores even. Uh, His past three games, Colgate, Tennessee, FAU – He's back from injury. He's playing slightly better on offense for sure. These last three games have been his highest uh, three games in terms of scoring output. He's putting up more shots. He's putting up a lot of threes as well. Still not super efficient from three. I think the last three games he's been right around like 30%, slightly less than 30%, six for 21. I think that's like 28, whatever it is, but uh, definitely encouraging. He's gotten to the hoop a little bit. Like you've been saying Uh, defense is still there. I think, uh it looked a little shaky his defensive effort against Tennessee but I think you can attribute that to a couple things but I thought he was pretty solid for the most part against Colgate looked a little sloppy in the second half versus Colgate uh, on defense I think the whole team did though, as I've been saying yes. but um you know he's I think he's improved a lot he's uh stringing a couple decent to solid performances together I don't think he's still the Coleman Hawkins of past which Honestly, like, you look back, and Coleman's not a guy that's been averaging 15 points a game or anything. I know his role has, like, slightly increased year to year. He was right around 10 points per game last season. Uh, I think that's probably where he's going to end up this season. I don't think he's going to have these – he'll have breakout games where, like, I think you said last uh, last podcast, he'll hit five or six threes or something. He'll go crazy, and we'll be like, where has this Coleman Hawkins been all season or his whole career? He'll probably have a game like that coming up pretty soon, which would be awesome to see. But overall, I I don't think he's like – he's not going to be a crazy scorer that puts up 15 points a game. He's not going to be hitting three threes a game. I think what you look for in Coleman Hawkins is, of course, a steady presence on defense. And as like a 6'11", super versatile guy that Brad Underwood loves to put in different spots, you just look for some form of consistency game to game, helping to run the offense, slightly improve shooting, We've been saying he's – it's been four years. We're pretty sold that uh, sold on Coleman Hawkins not being a great three-point shooter. But he can still get you a couple of game. Uh, I just – I don't think – I think some Illini fans are, like, they see the second-round mock draft, like, from last season. Uh, they see, like, four-star coming out of high school, projected to be a second-round pick, and they expect him to play like, uh, like Kofi or Io. They expect 17 points a game and 10 rebounds. That's just not who he totally is. That's not going to be his role on the team. Terrence Shannon's the number one guy. I think Marcus Damask is solidifying himself as the second option on offense. Coleman has had increased uh, increased shots per game the last couple games because he's getting back in a rhythm a little bit. But I still don't think he's uh, going to be the second option all season. I think he's finding his role in that third, maybe fourth option. Quincy Garrier is breaking out a little bit in terms of his shooting and his scoring output. So I think Coleman just needs to find his role, which he has been doing a little bit, and just stick in that role, stay consistent, don't foul out of these games. He's had a little bit of foul trouble the past couple games. But overall, just consistent game to game, no crazy boneheaded turnovers, no mouthing off to the refs, which he'll probably still do no matter what Brad Underwood says. <laughs> but uh, just not, not be a head case. I don't know, some fans, like we talked about last week, They've been fed up fed up with him for weeks. They've been fed up with fed up with him for years, maybe. but overall, he's uh, he's a super valuable piece to this team. He's a guy that has been stepping up a little bit. I think he'll continue to step up. That injury uh, could still be hurting him a little bit. We we're not really insiders. We don't totally know if that injury is still hurting him. We're just going off of what Brad Underwood says week to week in his press conferences. but yeah, i'm I'm encouraged for sure. I think he's slowly getting back to that form he had last year. For him, we saw a little bit in his sophomore year, too, that uh like after his sophomore year, these analysts, these insiders started to project him as a breakout guy, as a second round pick. And I think he's slowly getting back to that.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with almost everything you said there. And I, I like what you said, too, about how I think the thing with him is there's always been such high expectations because it feels like every offseason season. The, the narrative has kind of been like, all right, he's going to be your second best player. He's going to be a star player, yeah. an NBA player. And I mean, he still has an opportunity to be an NBA player. I think he's hurt himself a little bit early in the season on that front. Um, but I feel like people expect him to be an all-conference star caliber guy for this team. And that's just never really been what he is. And I think people need to start realizing that He can be a really really important piece without averaging 15 points a game and without being a first-round nba draft pick without being a all big Ten team player that doesn't mean he's not i mean maybe it was fair to have those expectations coming off his sophomore year and and yeah sure he's a guy that could have probably left for the draft this year so you you hear that and you're like oh this is a guy that was going to be an nba draft pick well he better be averaging 17 and 10 and he should be a star player in college basketball for us that's just not really what Coleman is, but he's still really, really important to this team. And I got a question I want to get to in a little bit where I'm going to touch on it a little further. But the other thing with him is like, you see the drop off when he's not on the court, it's drastic, exactly. more than any other player on this roster. When he's not on the court, you can feel it more than anyone else. And that's just because of how much he does for this team. But Hey, if he can give you 16, like in this game, once every two games uh, and, and he can proved to be at least a little bit more of an offensive threat. Like you mentioned it too about three-point shooting. Yeah, he's not a great three-point shooter. That's that's been the case for his whole career. His career high is 29% still got to be when he gets shots in rhythm when he when he pops off pick and pops with terrence shannon with the ball or with ty rogers ball i want him taking those shots because if he can open up the floor and be a respected offensive threat for opponents that's huge for illinois and if he can prove that he can give you 16 points uh in in a game like this and and come out firing early in the game i think he had eight points in the first like five minutes well that's huge because that allows illinois to get off to a a great start that Colgate's big man has to respect him on all levels of the court. Illinois is much better. And then obviously his defensive impact has been the case all season long. So I just think people need to realize he's really important to this team. He's also not a superstar caliber NBA first round draft pick. That's just not what he is at this point. Um, But I I, I was encouraged by that performance by him in terms of being Illinois' leading scorer because, hey, you're going to need that a couple times. Not every time. He's not going to average 15. But every once in a while, step up and lead the team in scoring, and he can, so that was nice to see.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. By saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the lifelock million dollar protection package change the game on identity theft save up to 25 percent your first year at lifelock.com aware um i want to get to uh, i got five questions here that i want to hit on we're a third of the way through the season now 10 games out of 31 so about a third uh there's 31 regular season games Uh, And I just want to hit on some big picture questions here we're about to reach conference play got one more non conference game we'll get to that a little bit later on bragging rights preview that one Friday night eight o'clock. But first I want to just talk a little bit big picture about this team I got five questions I want each of us to just give a quick answer to we'll move on to the next one. um, And and just kind of assess where this team is at through 10 games of the season. Um, Number one. Biggest reason for optimism about this Illinois basketball team through 10 games is what?
2: For me, I would say because of the experience, because of the, I think, increased talent level from last year, I would say it's the ability to stick with teams, like especially good teams like Tennessee, Marquette, FAU, to stick with these teams when things aren't going right. And I think it's also due to, like, a shift in culture from last year. You know, Ty Rogers mentioned – We've got, like, the bad guys out of the locker room this season. Whatever he said <laughs> it was pretty funny. But uh, you look at, like, the game, like Marquette, shots aren't falling late. You look at Tennessee, shots aren't falling in that stretch in the second half. And we don't let it get out of control to a point where we're down 20 and we fans are convinced the season's over. Like, I think the Tennessee game, we fouled a, a bunch of players late. We got the score closer to what it probably should have been. But overall – You look at these three big games, Marquette, Tennessee, FAU, you win one of them, you go to a tough environment in Knoxville, Tennessee, and you manage to stick with them. Like in the Tennessee and Marquette games, you have a lead at some point in the second half, which you're playing two top 10 teams. That's awesome to see for an Illinois team that was projected like 25th to start the season. Uh, I would say I'm optimistic because they're not letting these games get out of control. They're sticking with the program. Uh, They're sticking with the plan, even though they did chuck a lot of threes versus Tennessee but overall, I'm, I'm pretty convinced this team's really uh, a contender for the Big Ten and a threat in March.
1: Yeah, I, I like that answer a lot. I'll go a little bit different angle and say biggest reason for optimism, Illinois has Terrence Shannon. Other teams don't. Uh, yeah, you, exactly. you got a bona fide All-American player on your team. And I, I truly believe... I've grown higher on what this team can be since the preseason because I've seen the level that he's playing at right now. I mean, you got a first-team All-American. You've got a guy who's going to – is he going to challenge Zach Eadie for any of these awards? It's probably not because it's just impossible to – Overtake a guy who's averaging like 25 and 13 on the number one team, but I mean he's in the top three to five players in the country right now a guy averaging 21 a game shooting 42% from three we know he's probably the most unstoppable player in transition in the country Uh, when he gets to his left hand getting downhill, I mean. Guys make a concerted effort to get out of the way or follow him because he's just, you can't stop him. And uh, and when you got a go-to guy like that, I mean, remember the the two most successful teams here in recent memory for Illinois, you had All-Americans on him. You had Iyo Desunmu on uh, the 2020-2021 team, and you saw the impact that just having a guard who can go get you a bucket and lead you. Had And then on the Big Ten title co-share team a couple years ago, you had Kofi Coburn, who was a first-team All-American, and uh, was a guy that was going to give you 21 points every night and 10 rebounds and was just a go-to. You know what you're getting. That guy is going to be at the top of opposing team scouting reports. That's not going to matter because he's still going to produce. And Illinois has another one of those guys in Terrence Shannon. And if you can just rely on a guy, I mean, you, you look at a lot of these teams in the past that have won in March, like they've had a go-to scorer that they can ride that if he's hot in the ncaa tournament you're going to go pretty far because teams aren't going to be able to stop him and, uh, and especially in this week, big 10, like Terrence Shannon's probably going to win Illinois a lot of games by himself, just by going and getting 28 points and being the best player on the court in every game, except against Purdue. I can say that pretty confidently in conference play. And you can throw in the final two non-conference games. Cause it's true. Then Illinois is going to have the best player on the court in every game, except against Purdue in those two. So that's my biggest reason for optimism is, uh, you got a stud in, uh, TSJ Uh, biggest cause for concern still about this Illinois team after 10 games is what I think just because
2: of the Tennessee game mostly I think this team still has like their Achilles heel is they get frustrated maybe shots aren't falling refs aren't calling fouls whatever it is and they resort to what they did last year which is chuck up a bunch of threes 30 feet from the hoop late shot clock don't really run an offense I think that's because they still still don't have a true point guard, which I'm not totally concerned about compared to how I was concerned at the start of the season. But it's just like, you look at the stats, the cumulative stats this year compared to last year. I know it's only been 10 games, smaller sample size, but they're still shooting. Like last year, it was like they made seven and a half threes a game on 31% on like 25 attempts or something. And this year it's slightly improved. It's like eight and a half makes on 24 shots or something uh, but it's like really similar we're still shooting like 32 percent there's barely any overall team improvement uh, in terms of three-point shooting and I think we're vulnerable to teams that can shut down Terrence Shannon Jr. like Tennessee did a little bit they shut down Damascus like a uh, low post game and then we just were limited on offense a little bit even though we have some great scorers and Coleman's pretty solid Quincy's really solid Luke Goody's a great three-point shooter But I think we get we get stopped in certain areas of offense and we resort to what's what's easier, which is just chucking threes.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think I still am going to say, though, biggest cause for concern is not having a point guard. I still think that's it. I agree with you. I'm I'm less concerned about it than I was when we were talking about it preseason because I think Illinois has proven that they can be effective without it and that they can neutralize that problem a little bit. But still, like, you look at the Tennessee game too. Like, yeah, Terrence Shannon, they had a matchup for him, which most teams don't. But Tennessee had a matchup for Shannon, slowed him down, didn't allow him to get going to his left hand. Marcus Damask, they had physical wings that could just – overmatch him a little bit and he wasn't comfortable and he didn't get those mid-post matchups that he got against FAU. Well, then those two guys are shut down and, yeah, Illinois gets three happy and offense stagnates and they're not really doing much because they don't have that true point guard that can break down a defense and create offense and create buckets for other guys. And, you know, you you, having a guy like that next to Shannon when he does – Get shut down a little bit, or he has an off night, like that would be really important. Illinois just doesn't really have that. And I still think that there's going to be certain games. I think most games, especially talking about how weak the Big Ten is this year, like I don't think it's going to pop up much, but there's just going to be every once in a while those certain games where maybe Shannon's having a rough night or something else is going on, or Illinois' offense is really struggling and you kind of see it. And it's like, oh man, we just, it'd be really nice to have a guy that could, that could. We could put it in his hands and he can maybe he's not Terrence Shannon in terms of the scoring ability, but he's a guy that can create and that can play make and that can just kind of create offense and get to the paint and break a defense down. And the other thing, too, is I think we've seen at times Illinois is prone to being pressed in the backcourt and being pressured in the backcourt and not having a point guard could cause some turnover issues at times uh and i mean we saw in the tennessee game they had marcus damas bringing it up and he got his pocket picked a couple times for fast break layups because you don't have a point guard and uh saw against rutgers ty rogers struggle against the press so uh i'm not uh, overall when i talk about this like you said i'm not saying that this is gonna you know limit Illinois' ceiling or is that there? i don't think it's as big a concern as i Thought earlier but I still think if I had to pick the biggest concern I think that is still going to continue to pop up in certain games this year number three uh the player who needs to step up as we head into big 10 play the most is who
2: I mean I already went on a tirade about Coleman Hawkins but I, I still think it's true he's he's so crucial to this team I think like I've been saying the defense it's still there for the most part Maybe a little bit uh, increased effort on rebounding would help the team for sure. There's no doubt about that, which is offensively. I think he still needs to to step up uh, in terms of facilitating the offense, because like you've been saying, Ty Rogers still hasn't proven to be that true point guard that can really run an offense. I, I think the answer is Coleman Hawkins. Like you've seen at times in the past two years when he's getting extended minutes and when he's playing really well that the ceiling of this team is really high. I know it's obviously different players, different systems, but still you've been you've seen how this guy is able to elevate teams on offense and defense in transition, uh j- just in every aspect of the game. He's needs to be a better leader, I think. I think he will as the season progresses like this is probably his last year in champagne. I don't think he's going to like be a super selfish player or anything. I think he'll re- realize his role and I think he'll step up for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I'm going to go a a different direction here just for the sake of having a different answer, and I'm going to say Dane Danger behind him because he hasn't been very good at all. And I think he he needs to step up to give Illinois some front court depth behind Coleman because we know that even – I agree, Coleman needs to step up and he needs to be big time for this team. He's probably their most important player. But he's going to get in foul trouble at times, and there's going to be times where he can't be on the court for 35 minutes. And Illinois at this point just doesn't have the depth behind him with with Danger, and even you could throw Hansberry in there as well, even though he's a freshman, hasn't played a ton. But it's just the most stark contrast on this team in terms of on the court versus off the court is when Coleman Hawkins is off and Dane Danger is on. I don't think Danger's been horrible by any means, but he just there's been such a difference there that if you could he needs to step up and be a capable guy to come in and give you 15 minutes at the five spot behind Coleman when he gets two early fouls, when he's battling Zach Eady one-on-one in a couple weeks at Mackey arena and Coleman gets called for two fouls. Well, Dane danger needs to come in and and prove that he can keep Illinois afloat at the five, you know, and, and there's going to be other games where that happens. And it feels like right now, I, I think danger played okay against Colgate and has played a little bit better here recently, but defensively there's such a drop-off there like Dane Danger's getting abused on the defensive end right now and I think he needs to step up in that capacity and then we've seen at times last year like there's been games where he can be an offensive force in the post and he can get you 20 and we haven't really seen that flash this year and and a lot of that's been because he hasn't played a, a ton but if he can give you the occasional like big-time offensive performance off the bench against a matchup that is favorable, uh, and he can just give you some depth behind Coleman, I think he needs to step up because right now I feel like he is the one guy who I can kind of pinpoint and say, man, he's not really helping you that much. And I think he can because he showed he can last year. Uh, So I'd love to see him step up. Go ahead.
2: That would have been my answer, but I honestly think it's been 10 games but I think that ship has kind of sailed. Like his role on this team is when Coleman's tired, maybe Quincy's tired, he's coming in with like 13 minutes left and getting you to the under 12 timeout. And like, if he makes a single mistake, he's getting pulled out of the game. So I like, it's still early in the season. Things could change. His role could develop a little bit more, but I kind of think Brad and the coaching staff have given up on him because even the flashes he's shown this year have been like against teams ranked in the 300s on Ken Palm. Uh, he hasn't done much. Like, he came in versus Marquette, made a couple mistakes, came in versus Tennessee, made a couple mistakes. There's a chance versus, like, lower-tier Big Ten teams without a really physical big man like Minnesota, maybe, uh, um Penn State. I don't know. But uh, I think that ship has kind of sailed, and I think Coleman and Quincy are going to be the ones anchoring this front court like they have already.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's totally fair. I just think there's gonna be a time where you're gonna need him, whether it's Coleman's just having a disaster of a night, where it's just one of those nights where he has six turnovers, and Brad's like, I just gotta get, I gotta get someone new in here. Or there's gonna be times where Coleman's in foul trouble. He's he's battled those issues the last couple of years. There's just games where you have to go to him because Coleman has two early fouls, or he's got four fouls midway through the second half. Like I, that's gonna happen at some point. Um, So I just feel like just for the sake of argument, I feel like it'd be really nice if he stepped up and and gave you a capable backup five man behind Coleman. Uh, Number four, and this is kind of along the same line. So you could give the same answer because I think you you might. But biggest X factor for Illinois heading into Big Ten play. and, And we'll say aside from Terrence Shannon, because he's your star and you know that obviously he's your most important guy. But biggest X factor aside from him.
2: I'm going to give a bit of a weird answer and not really lock in on one person, but I'm going to say who, like whoever the consistent second leading scorer is night to night. We've seen goes off for 33 versus FAU. Uh, Quincy drops 20 plus versus Tennessee. Damask also goes off versus Marquette. Uh, Coleman goes for 16 versus Colgate. I think Terrence Shannon, there's going to be, like you said, a handful of nights where he's maybe dropping less than 15. He's not really getting to the basket. He's not making free throws, whatever it is. You're going to need somebody to step up on those nights, which is going to be crucial for sure. But I think overall he's getting you 20-plus per game, and that leads to needing a second-leading scorer, obviously. I think Damask in that 12-point-per-game range now, he's doing really well. But like you saw versus a physical Tennessee team, uh, he really got limited and that Illinois needed Quincy Garrier to step up. Uh, pretty solid overall effort versus Rutgers versus Colgate. There's been, like, group scoring. But I think it's really crucial to have a second guy night to night that's going to be in double digits That double digits at least. Uh, and I think if you, like, if there's one guy that's doing that consistently, this team looks even better instead of having to rely on a different guy every night like Gary A. Damask, Hawkins. I think if one of those, maybe one or two of those guys step up pretty much every night and get you 10 to 12 a game, uh, I think this team's looking really good for conference play.
1: Yep, I agree with that 100% and I'll just give a specific name cuz I think it's the guy that needs to do it and that is Marcus Tamas cuz no one else on this team is capable of putting up 33 against Florida Atlantic at Madison Square yeah. Garden. So you know that that's in him. I think 15 a game is in him then. You know, you're not you're not asking him to go nuts. But if he can just show up on a night-to-night basis and be that number two next to Terrence Shannon, he's going to get a lot of favorable matchups in the Big Ten, especially if guys are putting their best wing defender on Terrence. You might have a smaller guy on Marcus. You can get him those post-up opportunities, and he can eat in that area. I think there's still another level he can hit in terms of three-point shooting. I don't know what his number currently is, but I think it's sub-30% from three still yeah, for the it's mask. low 20s. Low 20s right now. That's not who he is. He'll, he He's a career 36% three-point shooter, I think, maybe even higher than that so I think he can make more shots than he has so far and he's still been good but uh, I mean you you see him step up in the second half against Colgate and give you some really key buckets down the stretch to make sure that Colgate stays at arm's length there and you saw uh, obviously against Rutgers on the road he played well Uh, but against Tennessee like Terrence was was getting shut down and you didn't have him and you didn't have that second guy that could come in and and lead you and give you a 20 and that was just because it was a tough matchup for him Um, but I just want to see consistency because i think when you when you just kind of assess who he is as a player he's kind of a guy that you would pinpoint and say well yeah that guy should be giving you just a consistent 12 to 15 points every night because he's a guy that doesn't really get sped up he's a guy that it can score a variety of different ways he's so experienced and I think that's really important for Illinois. Is yeah, we can't have Marcus give us three on one for nine shooting once every couple of weeks. Like he's got to show up consistently as the number two scoring option on this team. And you can mix in Coleman can do that one night and Quincy can do that one night, but Damask has to be the, the, pinnacle of consistency for this illinois team and bring it every single night and and give you shot making and give you a second guy you can give the ball to and can create one-on-one as well because i think he'll have a lot of favorable matchups so um yeah i agree i echo everything you said but i'll i'll be more specific and say i think damask is that guy that you're referencing there i think he should be that guy final question uh and uh this is one that is just pretty simple Illinois finishes the regular season with how many wins? Have you changed your opinion? I went back and looked. I believe I had 22 and you had 23 in our preseason prediction uh, in the regular season. They sit at 8-2 and two right now. Has that number changed at all after these 10 games? How many wins does this team finish with in the regular season?
2: Honestly, I can't totally remember what I said in terms of Big Ten wins before the season in my predictions. But I think we close out – I think we beat Mizzou. I think we beat FDU, obviously. So that puts us at 10-2 and with one Big Ten win already. I think we get 15 – probably 15 Big Ten wins. That puts you with 24, 25 wins, somewhere in that range. I think because the Big Ten is slightly down this year, I think we're less prone to, like – uh, going on, going to play some random Big Ten team on the road on, at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday night and losing by 20 like we've seen in past years. I think, like I, I mentioned this earlier in this podcast, like the experience, the veteran leadership, it's there. We're getting off to hot starts. We're not letting teams pull away from us late in the game too much. I think that's really going to help in terms of the Big Ten schedule. So I'm, I'm saying 24-25 wins, honestly, it puts you probably on – two or three seed line, uh, in terms of March and probably second in the big 10 behind Purdue.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I've increased my win total a couple since I've seen this team play so far. And also since I've seen how bad this conference is, that's the other thing. I think I predicted 13 and seven in the big 10 in our preseason. And I think Illinois will be better than that. I think they get, 14 or 15 minimum I'll go 15 I'll go with you there 15 Big Ten wins I think they take care of Missouri on Friday which we'll get to in a moment Uh, and that puts them at 24 and 7 for the regular season and uh, I I, I think that's on the table for this team because I just think I, I agree I think last year there was just you never knew what you were getting from this team it's every game you went into maybe with the exception of a minnesota and a nebraska like you went into these games and you just weren't sure like is this team going to show up is this team going to just put up a dud and lose to penn state by you know in, in the game that they did and lose to ohio state on the road in that late february game a bad ohio state team runs you out of the gym like I don't think you're going to get that with this team. I think this team is going to take care of business against the teams they are significantly better than uh, pretty much the entire conference slate. Maybe there's one game where they get upset, but I think that'll get balanced with one game they win that you maybe don't expect, whether that's against Purdue or at Wisconsin or something like that. Um, and, and yeah, I just think this, this conference is soft and Illinois is the second best team in this conference. I'm confident in saying that as we sit here today, they're the second best team in the big 10 and they're significantly better than about half of this conference at least. And I think they'll take care of those teams. And so I think they get to 15, 24 wins Is I'm, I'm upping my preseason prediction by two, uh, right now. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think we're on the same page there. Let's get to this game Friday night to close it out here on this episode. Final marquee non-conference game, if you want to call it that. Missouri hasn't been great so far, but I still call it a marquee game because this is a rivalry game. This is kind of a throw out the records game every year. And this is a game that Illinois has not fared well in uh, under Brad Underwood. He is 2-4 and four against the Missouri Tigers. Uh, as Illinois' head coach. And for a majority of those games, he has had the better team and hasn't really shown on the floor. Uh, last season, you probably couldn't say that. I think Missouri was the better team, but they weren't 30 points better. They just destroyed this Illinois team in this game last year. I forget what the final was, but I it was a rare game where I could not watch till the end because it was just Unbearable to watch. Illinois yeah. was getting run out of the gym at halftime by 30 something. Uncompetitive performance. Uh Iodesunmu went oh and three against Missouri in his three years at Illinois. Like they've won one of the last five against this team. So Missouri comes into this game, and, and they haven't been all that impressive, but you better show up to play. It's a rivalry game. This is a game that Missouri gets up for, and I still consider it, even though it's only a quad two game on a neutral site uh, for Illinois, I still consider this a marquee game for Illinois to close out the non-conference. Uh, Missouri comes into this game 7-4. and four. They're ranked 85th on Ken Palm that I'm looking at right now. They lost to Memphis by 15 at home, lost to Jackson State at home. Uh, did lose on the road in a semi-competitive game against Kansas, and then uh, on Sunday lost to Seton Hall. Uh, They did beat Pittsburgh on the road, um, and they squeaked out a game at Minnesota in which they came back from down, I think, 22 in that game. So body of work has not been all that impressive for this team, Uh, but this is still a big game for Illinois. What do you see in this matchup? What are you expecting on Friday night?
2: I mean – you don't even really have to look at Missouri as roster. I mean, you can, it's clear they're less talented, but like you've been saying, that's been the case. Four or five of the last six matchups we've had with Missouri, pretty much the whole Brad Underwood tenure. It, it really doesn't matter what the records are. It doesn't matter the talent level of the teams, because this is one of those rivalry games where records get thrown out. Buzzer beaters happen. Crazy upsets happen. Like a couple years back, with the really good 2020-21 uh, team, Iowa went for like 35, 37, something crazy. And Illinois still manages to lose. Uh, and then you come back the next year, you get a massive win. Come back this past year, Illinois is playing like well at the point of that game. Like they beat UCLA, they beat Texas, slipped up versus Penn State, I think. But then you just come out and you get blown out by 22, 25 or something. You're down like 35 in the second half. It's just it's crazy. It's not really predictable, but I do think both teams have a good amount of transfers. Like both teams are pretty experienced. Missouri returns a couple guys like uh, Nick Honor, uh, Noah Carter. I think their leading scorer, Sean East, He's he's been pretty efficient this year. He's actually a really good player. But like you said earlier, Illinois has the best player in this game. Illinois will have the best player in every single game they play pretty much the rest of the year. I don't think there's really any excuses to come out flat this game. I don't think we lose this game. Uh, like, solid quad two win. I think we beat the solid Missouri team. But you, you just never know. I don't think we're going to come out flat or anything. But, you know, down the stretch, Illinois still has to rely on what they do best, which is getting to the hoop, not chucking up threes. We'll see. I mean, you really just don't know. I don't really have a prediction for this game, but I do think Illinois does come out and win this game in the end.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh we can get to our official predictions in a minute here, but I do want to talk about it a little further. Um yeah, I just it's it's a game where you if all else was taken out and you were just, this was just your average non-conference game. Illinois randomly schedules Missouri for a neutral site non-conference game. I come into this game being pretty confident Illinois should take care of this team. I don't think this is a very good Missouri team. They lose Kobe Brown from last year who dominated Illinois in that game. I forget how many he had, but he just dominated. Uh, He's in the NBA now. um, And and they lose their point guard in Demoy Hodge from last year, uh, or one of their best guards. Um, He ran points some um so this is a team that has struggled so far it really hasn't been good at all on the defensive end against a pretty terrible Seton Hall team or one that had been pretty terrible for most of the year they gave up 93 on Sunday to Seton Hall and um it's just it's a team that it's not impressive team at all to me. And I think this is one that Illinois is significantly better pretty much across the floor. I know Missouri, like you mentioned, I think Shawnee's a good player. I think Nick honors a solid point guard. Um, they bring in seven, five Connor Vanover from oral Roberts. And uh, he comes off their bench and is just kind of a freak of nature, but is he, he hasn't really been all that effective. Um, so I, you know, it's uh not all seven, four guys are Zach Edie, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I think Illinois is way better and they need to prove it and they need to have that chip on their shoulder. I mean, you got guys back from last year, Terrence chin and Coleman Hawkins, Ty Rogers, Luke Goody, like those guys experienced just getting the doors blown off them against this Missouri team from the opening tip. They were down 35 points in that game against a Missouri team that was good, but they were a seven seed in the tournament. And, uh, like it's it's not a team you lose by 32 Uh, even with the issues that illinois had last year that just that was one of the more embarrassing losses illinois had in the brad underwood era i can say that pretty confidently and missouri's delivered probably a couple of the most embarrassing because that illinois team in 2021 or 2020 with io and kofi that was just way better loses that game like this missouri team has has delivered some really embarrassing losses to you and you need to take that personal in this game and we we talk about how much this team has gotten off to faster starts and there's not as much of an issue of hey is this team even going to show up for this one like yeah this is one where let's show that come out get off to a quick start control this game don't let missouri even in this one because i think you are a team that should control it and i i think it'll still be a relatively competitive game because it's just what the bragging rights is other than last year pretty much but Illinois has got matchup advantages here. Missouri's a team that is a, a three-point shooting barrage. I mean, under Dennis Gates the last two years, they take a ton of threes. Illinois defensively runs teams off the three-point line, forces you into tough twos. Missouri will not have success if Illinois can execute on the defensive end. They're going to want to take shots, and, and Illinois not going to let them. And, uh, and it could be a tough offensive night for them. But, yeah, Terrence Shannon show up be a physical monster in this one. Missouri doesn't really have a wing that can match you uh, on their roster. they got a couple guys they'll throw at them, but they've got some smaller guards, and Terrence Shannon should overwhelm this Missouri team. And I think you'll get some matchups, especially if you can get, like, 5'10 Nick on or switched on to Marcus Damask, like eat that up in the mid-post and go to work on that. Or Sean East, a lot smaller. Uh, You get those matchups. Illinois, I think, can exploit them missouri really bad rebounding team so far this year they have a 7-5 center coming off their bench but he doesn't rebound the ball and uh, they don't really rebound the ball as a team illinois should own the glass and uh should just physically impose themselves and there's really no excuse if if you let this missouri team find a way to beat you because you're just you're much better than them and Coming off last year, I want to see this team come out with some revenge on their mind because you have enough carryover. I know you got new guys with Garrier and Damask and Harmon and the freshmen, but you got enough carryover from last year that that should be fresh in your mind, and Illinois should come out. Boy, would it be nice if they returned the favor with a blowout of their own. I'm not expecting a blowout, but I am expecting Illinois to take care of business because everything in this matchup points to that.
2: Honestly, though, like they're, I know I keep saying – rosters don't matter records don't matter but this team is straight up not good they don't rebound they barely have any size besides vanover who plays 12 minutes a game at seven five which is crazy but like i'm pretty sure their starting big man is noah carter who's like six six unless there's somebody else off the bench that barely plays but starts you're right they just they don't rebound like caleb grill one of their better transfers is out for a couple weeks tamar bates is one of their better players the transfer from indiana like, he was just straight-up not good for a couple years at Indiana. Uh, like, Illinois' strength is size, athleticism, length. Like, this should be – this is such a good matchup for Illinois in terms of, like, height, physicality, pretty much everything. Like, there is just no excuse to lose this game. This is kind of a must-win game, uh, just considering Brad Underwood's record. Like, it, like, the past losses to Missouri have been so embarrassing considering, you know – You're playing Mark Smith, Jeremiah Tillman, like these guys that decommitted, they transferred from from Illinois, Javon Pickett. It's like – it is so embarrassing as an Illinois fan. It just seems like Missouri gets up for this game more than Illinois has uh, in the Brad Underwood era at least, and that just cannot happen. Like Coleman Hawkins, uh, he's one and two in this game. Terrence Shannon Jr. lost last year. Luke Goody's one and one in this game. Like a loss – just cannot happen a win is so needed for this team even if it's not a crazy resume building win
1: yeah no just withstand the fact that this is a rivalry that you know missouri's probably going to be up for and and impose your will and show up and and don't be asleep in the first half like last year and get blown out of this game i would that that would be uh too much to illinois benefit but yeah you mentioned that uh what was that two years ago where mark smith was on missouri and they beat Io and Kofi, and he's posting like Instagram stories from the <laughs> locker room, like f- yeah. talking crap to Illinois. And he had like zero points or like two he's points. terrible. Game. Yeah, he's so did, embarrassing. He did nothing, but like at the end of the day, like, all right. I mean, yeah, you he won, he beat you, even though he's on a much worse basketball team. So take that personal and, and take it out on this Missouri team. I'm I'm sick and tired of watching these bragging rights games and, and getting beat by teams that you shouldn't get beat by. And this is another situation. Um, I think matchup-wise, last thing I'll I'll touch on, if Missouri was to beat you or was to stay in this game or have success in this game, I think the one thing you can point to is the fact that they turn teams over quite a bit? That's what they did last year. I think they were top ten in the country at turning teams over defensively. This year so far, they're 45th uh, in turnovers turnover percentage uh, defense in the country so far this year. And they do pull out that three quarter court pressure um, quite a bit. And uh, and that's one that Illinois will have to withstand without a point guard. We'll keep saying that all season. I think they've done a solid job for the most part. Couple struggles against Rutgers. Couple struggles against Tennessee when they pressure in the backcourt but I think they've done a pretty solid job but you just you never know I mean it's that's probably Missouri's best chance in this game is they're going to be aggressive from the jump pressure Illinois in the backcourt trying to slow down possessions and uh, and trying to turn them over and get easy fast break points and 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 just try to stay in the game that way so Illinois got to protect the ball in this game they got to find the ball handlers they trust Thought Ty Rogers had his best game as a ball handler against Colgate, and now he's going to face a matchup where he's probably going to get tested and pressured a little bit. And so let's see how he handles that. And obviously, you got to have your veterans step up and take care of the ball and, and not turn it over, whether that's Coleman, Terrence, Marcus, Quincy, all those guys. So uh, that's the one thing to look out for. Missouri's probably going to press um, and, and try to turn you over in the backcourt a little bit. And if Illinois can withstand that, then I think it should be an easy night for them on paper, at least again, never know in this game, but that's the one area where maybe you have a little bit of concern, like, okay, in a world where Missouri makes this a a close game and, and is in danger of beating you, it's probably because you turned it over 23 times and, and just really struggled against their pressure. But I think Illinois should be able to handle that. And if they handle that, like you get into a half court game, Illinois should, should own this team and should own the glass and should own the paint. And Missouri's going to try to jack up some threes and try to get hot and stay in the game, but Illinois defensively, I trust them a lot. They're Brad Underwood is is going to have this team trying to run those shooters off the line and not help off of of drivers and off of, or off of shooters onto drivers and and give up open shots. And if you force Missouri into the paint and into shooting tougher twos and mid range shots. Illinois wins this game easily. That's, that's the MO for, for Illinois. So uh, yeah, I just win this game. Don't put no doubt in this one. Don't let this one be another classic Missouri gets up for it and you don't. I don't think that will be the case. I, I think this team is one that's built differently in terms of, you know, being ready to go and just, you should win this game and they will, but yeah. It's just that thought in the back of your mind every time this Illinois team plays Missouri, like, oh boy. I there's that thought in the back of your mind, like, oh God, this is a yeah. much worse Missouri team, but uh maybe it won't show. But let's just let's just take care of this team. How about?
2: I think so. I hope we will. I mean, the past couple of years it's not like Missouri's been a bottom hundred team in the nation. No, like, they've been solid teams overall. But still, if you look at the talent level Illinois has had the past couple of years in terms of, like, incoming transfers, incoming high school, like four-star recruits compared to Missouri, it's just – it's night and day, honestly, even though they've had a couple decent uh, NCAA tournament teams. But this year, it's a different story. Like, it's just a loss oh – God, a loss would – I mean, in, in past years, like – I haven't really been prepared for a loss to Missouri because Illinois teams have looked decent coming into this game, but then there's stretches like this game and like early big 10 where in the past couple of years, we've struggled like after this game. But I mean, this honestly is a really big test. You're on a neutral court. It's a big rivalry game, decent team you're playing uh, after like uh, not too much basketball in the past couple of weeks. But in the end, I think we get up for it. I think Brad Underwood gets a, gets a one more win versus Missouri in his record books. And hopefully we continue this streak in the next year, in the next couple of years.
1: Want to give an official score prediction for this one, just while we're at it, since we've been doing that all year. Yeah,
2: I'll say, I honestly think we win by 10 plus. I remember a couple of years back, I said we'd beat Missouri by like 30 and then we lost, <laughs> but uh, I'll say like, I'll say seventy three to like fifty nine. I, I think we shut them down defensively.
1: Yeah, I'm on the same page, and I hope that this isn't a freezing cold take again, like a couple years ago. But I'm I'm kind of going to take this strategy that you had, and it backfired. I think that was three years ago. That the twenty 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 one team where you just I think thought, it was okay. Yeah. This team I is guaranteed to win. Missouri out, and uh, and they. They somehow lost, and Iowa had like 36, and they still lost. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me, but I think Illinois avenges last year in similar fashion. Maybe not quite that big of a beatdown because that was a joke last year, but I think they dominate Missouri. I think they're way better. The matchup speaks to Illinois being just dominating the paint, dominating the glass. If they can not turn it over and, and not succumb to Missouri's pressure – and maybe get transition opportunities by beating the pressure and getting the ball in Terrence's hands when Missouri's not set on defense. Like all of a sudden, it could get ugly. I think Illinois wins by 20 plus here in this one. Illinois 78, Missouri 56. Illinois okay. blowout avenges last year, dominates this Missouri team. And, uh, Nothing can go wrong with me saying that, right? That's not going to yeah. not gonna come back to bite me at all, right? Or, or bite you <laughs> no. at, at all? Uh, I'd love to see to... that, though. Like yeah, a couple years
2: back, I, we won by it. I don't know how much we won by it, but like at the end of the game, yeah. you saw Goody, Pods, Melendez getting the game, the freshman. That was awesome to see. Uh, I hope we see like Hansberry and Dra Gibbs-Lahorn by the end of the game. That would just be awesome for the team, for the program, for the fans. And I think there's honestly a decent shot at that happening.
1: Yeah, two years ago, uh, the Big Ten title team with Trent and Kofi and Plummer, eighty-eight, sixty-three. 63 Illinois beat them by 25. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, would love a repeat of, of that type of effort by this Illinois team. Uh, but that should uh, just about wrap us up here on this episode of the Champagne on Ice podcast. Uh, make sure to go follow our Twitter account at Champagne on Ice. Drop all the episodes on there. Tweet a lot during games, probably Friday night. There'll be some tweets being fired off there, whether good or bad, depending on how this Illinois team shows up. So if you don't want to miss those, go drop a follow at Champagne on Ice on X slash Twitter. And, of course, subscribe to the Field of 68 Podcast Network YouTube channel um, for all of our episodes and also the other team pods on the network as well. Um, And uh, anything else you got?
2: Happy holidays, everybody.
1: Yeah. Happy holidays. We won't, we won't uh, be back here until after Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everybody Uh, have a great holiday season and uh, probably around the same time, Tuesday or Wednesday, next week, after uh, Christmas, we will be back recap Missouri uh, and uh, lead into the start of big 10 play uh, because they got fairly Dickinson in a week and then it's big 10 basketball uh, starting after new year's. So we'll, uh, we'll be back to talk about that, but until then, Merry Christmas, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time on the Champagne on Ice podcast.